Hello, my name's Christiana, and welcome to the Oceanside Community Church Podcast. We're a church in Parksville on Vancouver Island with a vision to be fully devoted children of God, fully mature in Jesus Christ, and fully alive with the Holy Spirit. We welcome you to join us weekly on this journey. For more information about our church, visit our website at oceansidecommunitychurch.ca or download our mobile app. We pray that you'll be blessed and equipped by today's teaching. We'll be reading out of Hebrews chapter 11, but we're going to scoot back a little bit to chapter 10, starting in verse 35, and make our way to chapter 11, verse 3. It says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what was seen was, excuse me, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This is the reading of the word. You may be seated. We are beginning a brand new series this morning that we will embark on for the summer months of July and August, and we're going to be camping in this chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews for the next about 10, 11 weeks or so. It will be a bit of a guide for us, actually, the chapter. We're not going to be so much just in this chapter 11, but we will be using it as our guide to uh, structure our sermon series where we're going to be looking back at some narrative stories in the Old Testament. Some faith giants, this chapter is known as the Hall of Faith, Uh, isn't specifically listed as that, but just well known as the Hall of Faith chapter, and we're going to use this chapter as our guide to look at some stories of people who have exemplified faithfulness in their walk with the Lord. Uh, And it's going to be a a very narrative-style sermon series as we look through these stories and we see a thread of faith through each of these stories. But this morning is going to be a bit teaching-based, so I hope you're good with that. The school semester is still in for another week, so we're going to go teaching-style this morning, and then we will move into more of a narrative-style throughout the summer. And I hope you can join us in as many Sundays that you're here in town. The doors are open for you to... uh, to be here with us. I want to welcome those who are online as well. Whenever you're watching and listening to this, we're glad that you are joining in. So this book of Hebrews was written to the first century Jewish Christians. That's why it's titled Hebrews. It was geared towards those who were Hebrews of the Israelite nation. And the author of this book is unknown, but would have had a pastoral element, had a pastoral care and leadership to the readers of this book. The way that the author writes, the way that he portrays Christ, the way he teaches, he or she, I should say, it's unknown. The way that they write to their readers, there's definitely a sense of relationship. There's definitely a sense of trust. There's a sense of whereabouts that the author knows the audience and the audience knows the author. Language that the author uses where they kind of just take for granted that the audience would know what they're talking about. So, for example, if I were to say to you, I made sure that I booked a sailing yesterday or else I would have had a wait. 
before I got to the island, you would know what I'm talking about, right? You would have the understanding of the context that I'm talking about BC ferries and traveling from Vancouver to Vancouver Island without explaining the details of the ferries and the island, you would know what I'm talking about. The author, in the same way, in the same format, uses language and context and history and culture where they just assume the audience knows what they are talking about. Assume that the audience knows about Abraham. Assume the audience knows about Moses, about Mount Sinai, about the Torah, about uh, the wilderness, about the promised land. All this language, this imagery and metaphors the author uses, believing the audience understands them, knows what they're talking about. And then the author challenges the readers that they are to remain faithful. Remain faithful to the Lord because they were experiencing a very difficult time in that first century Judaism. These, these Jewish Christians, they've, they've converted to Judaism, to Christianity, and they're following Jesus as their Savior, and they experienced harsh, harsh persecution. Families were separated from each other. Families were separated from their homes. Their homes were taken away from these families. Many were sent into prison. Many were physically brutalized. That The church was in turmoil. And so this author writes this book as a way to bring hope, as a way to bring comfort and care, and hopefully to inspire the readers that Jesus is worth it, that our faith in Jesus is worth the struggle, that our faith in Jesus is worth the times of difficulty. And so there were some who were walking away from their faith, some who are being challenged in their faith and questioning their faith. Sounds a bit like today's society, doesn't it? People who are walking away from their faith. People who are being discouraged or, or doubtful or uncertain about their faith and they don't know what to do with it. I don't believe that we in Western Canada or North America, should I say, or Vancouver Island or Parksville, are we being persecuted the same as what this first century church was being persecuted as? But the same questions of doubt, the same uncertainty about Jesus are arising in today's society. And so I, I feel this passage, this series about faith, what faith is, is very fitting, Right? God's word can cross over culture and context and time and be very fitting in every season of life. And so, how the righteous, they lived by faith. So we're going to go through what faith is. We're going to look at these examples of these faith giants, these faith warriors, and learn what is faith. Because there's a lot that goes into that question, what is faith? An understanding, there's layers to it, I really believe, if we have a true grasp and a true understanding of what faith is. So first off, I want to say that faith is a gift. Faith is a gift that God has given to his bride, has given to his children. I believe faith is the foundation to our relationship with Jesus. It is the bedrock in which that we can have, we can begin, and we can continue a relationship with the Lord. Faith really is what grants us into the entrance of the presence of God. It grants us his presence. It grants us his kingdom. It grants us the reality that we are adopted into the family of God. 
We cannot become, and what our mission statement is here, we cannot become fully alive in Christ without a saving faith in Jesus. Amen? To become fully alive, we must have a saving faith through Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So that grace bestowed upon us, that salvation and the faith that we have to receive it is a gift from God. There's a, a, one of my favorite authors and actually a former pastor here on Vancouver Island, just up the road in Duncan, a gentleman by the name of Mark Buchanan. He says, faith is a gift. Faith is a gift that comes to us mysteriously, undeserved, unexpected. It cannot be bought, borrowed, or conjured, but you can ask for it. <laughs> I love that contrast, right? Like, it's mysterious. It's huge. It's undeserving and unexpected. It can't be bought. It can't be uh, borrowed or conjured. It's all of this, but you can just ask for it. And he contrasts the difficulty to the simplicity of what faith can be. A simple request of a child to a father saying, Lord, would you give me faith? Lord, would you increase my faith by a simple request? Uh, faith is confidence. Actually, one of the only passages that we see with a description of what faith is. We see it in so many formats in Scripture, it, uh, exemplified in so many metaphors and imageries, but there's a true definition of what faith is. And in our passage, it says that faith is confidence. First, it says in chapter 10 that the righteous will live by this faith. It says, don't throw away your confidence. Live by this confidence. Live by this faith. We're not those who shrink back, but we are those who have faith and preserve. These are, these are strong words. These are action words of, of reacting, of doing, of living out, not just emotion or thought, but there's a, there's a, a confidence. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, verse 1, and assurance about what we do not see. It's not arrogance, it's confidence. It's this inner resolve, this assurance that we have. Other translations say that faith is substance. I like that. Faith is substance. It says faith is the reality of. It's being sure of. So it's not just a hope and a whim. It's the confidence and the hope that we have in Jesus. And I like to use the words humble confidence because it's not arrogance, right? Right? It's an it's a inner resolve of humility and assuredness inside. And the person who exemplified this the most was Jesus himself, right? He had that humble assuredness in who he was and in his life. And we might say, well, he's Jesus. He's dual deity and he's fully God. So, of course, he's going to have this, like, confidence about himself. I think of the scene where it's raining, Right? Raining and the storm is taking place and they're in the boat and the disciples are freaking out. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping in the bellow of the boat. <laughs> He's not shaken. I think of when his friend Lazarus passes away. What does he do? He takes his time to get to the town of Lazarus. And all the people there are saying, Jesus, if you would have just come a little earlier, you could have made this all better. And he had this humble confidence. And yes, he, in his dual deity, he is fully God, but he was also fully man. 
And that humble confidence didn't come just from himself, but it came out of his relationship with the Father. See, there's layers. There's layers to this faith. There's an awareness piece and a trust piece. And I'm going to use a very simplified, uh, if I may, I'm going to take this stool, a very simplified example, excuse me, of a stool. So there's an awareness piece that we see the stool. We agree that there is a stool here. We agree that there is an intent and a purpose for this stool. The design and the purpose of it is someone to sit on the stool. So we see it. We have the intellect and the knowledge to know that there is a stool there. But then there's another layer that we need to actually trust the stool, that I can sit upon the stool and it will hold my body weight. So there's a different layer of knowing about it and knowing its purpose to actually trusting and submitting myself to the structure of this stool. Does that make sense? The same is in our faith with the Lord. The same is in our faith with Jesus. That there's an awareness piece of understanding who Jesus is, his intent and his purpose in coming to this earth. But just believing in Jesus, believing in who he is, and the purpose and reason why he came to this earth is not enough. There is an element of trust that we need to submit ourselves, to sit down, And give of our lives, give of our trust to him as well in our awareness and trust piece. We must trust him with the weight of our life. Faith is not only the basis for belief, but it is also the basis for our behavior. Faith cannot just stay in the concept of a a mental belief. It must result in the actions of trust and submission and obedience to the Lord. And as I had mentioned, this this confidence, this humble confidence that Christ exemplified, it was not rooted in himself. It was rooted in his relationship with the Father. Our faith, our humble confidence... I I don't believe it can just be conjured up. We just think harder or believe harder or have more faith. And we just are going to have the faith. No, our confidence is to be rooted in the worth and the dependability of that which I have faith in, the Father. So my confidence to this chair, this stool, is not in my belief, but it's on the actual trustworthiness of the stool. If the stool was, say, like those um, hammock chairs that you can hang up in a tree, right? Have you ever sat in one of those hammock chairs? (laughs) This is the way that I sit down on a stool that I trust the stool. I sit like this. In the hammock chair, we all sit like this, and we go really slowly, uncertain if this thing is going to hold my body weight or not until the point where I'm like, okay, therefore my trust in the hammock chair is less than it would be with the stool. Faith's value is to be rooted in the worthiness of its object. So our faith's value is to be rooted in the worthiness of our Father. Our faith's value is to be rooted in the worthiness of Jesus Christ. 
And you might be saying, oh, okay, Pastor Gavin, this is your first sermon here, and I'm already kind of confused with all of this, okay? You've talked about confidence, and you've talked about assurance. You've talked about stools and hammock chairs. You've talked about faith, and you've talked about, it's not just belief, but there's behavior. There's a lot to this. I'm a little confused. Well, guess what? Faith is a little confusing. And that's my third point. Faith is confusing. There's so much that can go into the concept of faith that it can be quite confusing. There's so much of our society in how we describe faith, talk about faith, even use the language and the word faith. It gets confusing really quickly. That I'm from a faith-based community. Well, what does faith-based community mean in our society? There's lots of uh, ways that that word faith-based community can go. Or that uh, I'm a person who lives by faith. Or faith-based initiatives. Many believe that faith is a feeling. I don't have a whole lot of faith in this hammock. I don't feel safe. I don't trust the hammock. Many would believe that faith is like a blind leap, like a blind leap of trust that I'm just going to believe with no evidence to prove otherwise that this is a good choice or not. And so society has a lot of questions regarding faith, a lot of confusion. Scripture, too, can be quite confusing about faith, if we're honest, right? Faith is a gift that everyone and anyone can have as a bedrock foundation to our faith in Jesus. But faith is also a spiritual gift that's bestowed on a few in the body of believers to bring edification. So it's bestowed upon everyone, but it's bestowed upon a few. Uh, Scripture also talks about faith as this longevity, about keeping the faith, right? Fighting the good fight, finishing the race. So it's about longevity. Uh, But it also talks about that faith is a, a physical armor, I should say a spiritual armor, like a shield, a shield that protects and extinguishes flaming arrows of the evil one. So faith is like a shield, but Jesus also uses the example that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. And so with all these different metaphors and meanings and images that there is truth in each description of faith, but it can be quite confusing. And if we had the Oh, if we had the Bible authors of James and Paul standing here. (laughs) If If we had James and Paul standing here, James would say, well, what good is it for a man who claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? A person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And then Paul would rebuttal and say, a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Okay, wait, what? Do they disagree with each other? A man cannot be justified by faith alone. And Paul says a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds. So is there contradiction in Scripture? Is faith real? Can we truly trust what Scripture says faith is? Well, my answer is no and yes to that. No, it does not contradict each other. And yes, we can trust what Scripture says about faith and about who Jesus is. James' verse means that man is justified, declared righteous before God by faith alone. 
but it's not by faith that is alone. Does that make sense? It's not just by faith alone. True biblical faith will result in an expressive life of behavior and faithfulness before the Lord. That's what James is talking about. He's saying the faith that we see is scriptural, Christian, biblical faith. Yes, we are justified by that faith alone, but that faith is not just by itself. It is accompanied, accompanied with expression of love and of acts. Just like I said, faith is not the basis just for our belief, but it is also the basis for our behavior. I see the stool. I trust the stool. But it will result in me actually taking the seat on the stool. There's layers to it. And there's a journey that we're all on. A journey of faith that we're all a part of. You know, I'm one who loves stories. I'm really excited about going through this sermon series together this summer. I'm one who loves to sit down and just talk about stories, talk about our past, talk about God's faithfulness in our life, talk about God's goodness, and I love to share stories. I also love to hear stories. Like one of my favorite things to do is when, you're, when you have a meal together with people, like food, food is my love language. I know there's five love languages. I actually add a sixth to that. It's food. Food is my love language. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite things to do is to have a meal with people. And when the, when the meal is like near done and you kind of push your plate forward a little bit and then you kind of like sit back in your chair, there's that like relaxed, like, okay, we're done eating. I don't have to eat over my plate. I can just sit and take in and have conversation. Often that's time where cake and coffee is served, and that's also why I love it. But that time where we just sit and we talk about stories and we talk about what's taking place in our life, and there's an element where our, our defense is dropped and trust is risen, and there's this sense of connection, this sense of community, this sense of being known and knowing someone else. And I love that, that environment. And when you get to hear the stories of, of life that people have walked and have gone through, there's a sense of trust that's established, a sense of transparency that's shared. And there's something so beautiful and so unique in the concept of that narrative and that story. And that's the imagery and the picture that I want to take for our sermon series this summer. The concept where we've finished our meal, we're sitting back, and we're going to hear stories of God's faithfulness in these people's lives. And the faithfulness of them submitting to the Lord and trusting the proverbial sitting down and trusting in Jesus. Now, these, these men and women were not perfect by any means. They may be faith giants, but they are not perfect by any means. Mistake after mistake, times of, of doubt after times of doubt, times of asking for grace and forgiveness, times of repentance and returning once again to the Lord. And so we're going to go through these stories together. Landon, I'm going to ask you to come on up here. These faith giants, they kept the good fight, they finished the race. And they kept the faith. There's something about hearing stories that can increase our faith. 
Paul says in Romans, faith comes from hearing the message. As we hear the message, as we hear the gospel, as we hear God's words, faith is increased. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, at his word. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Do you see the tension that this author, this pastor to the Hebrews writes? The world, the universe was formed at God's word, at his voice, at his command, so that what is seen was made out of what is not seen. So the tension between hearing and seeing, hearing and seeing. The visible is made out of the invisible. God spoke and the world appeared. All that is seen was created by him who is unseen. And we live in a world and a society that only chooses to place our trust in things that we see. Things that we can see in front of us. The certainty of life around us. There's so much more to life than just what we see. Our faith, our faith is rooted not in what we see, but in what we hear. In what we hear. Faith is rooted in God's voice. Faith is rooted in God's commands. Faith is rooted in his blessings. Faith is rooted in his promises. We've seen them come to fulfillment. So we believe that his promises will too also come to fulfillment in our future. And I'll finish with this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, For we live by faith, not by sight. Sight is that certainty. Sight is that I'm certain that you're here, so I don't have to have faith to believe that you're here. I can't see Thomas and Ellie, but I'm going to trust that they're in the room with our children. So there's the faith that I have in Thomas and Ellie because they're very consistent in who they are. So I have faith to believe that they're there. That's the kind of faith that we'll look at in verse 6 of our, of our chapter 11 here. That's the kind of faith that the Lord is pleased by. That's the kind of faith that the righteous live by. That's the kind of faith that the ancients were commended for. So would you stand with me? Let me pray over you. Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. We trust in you. We have sung of and we have spoken of your awareness and we believe, Jesus, of who you are and what you've done, how you came and died on a cross for our sins. You rose again. You lived the life that we could not live. And you paved a way for us to be in right standing with the Father. So we believe that, but Lord, we entrust ourselves to you. We place our confidence in you. And so, Father, we ask, would you give us that confidence, that humble confidence, that true faith? Would you increase our faith as we trust, as we give you the weight of our lives? And may you bless us this summer as we hear the stories of these faith giants. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or download our mobile app for more content. If you're in the area, we hope to see you soon. Until next time, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you as you live by His Spirit.